Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss X-Men number four. X-Men number January four. January 1992 issue. Yeah. Sorry, I stomped all over everything you were saying. Carry on, please. No, no, go ahead. I were saying X-Men number four. Yeah, no, I was just uh, emphasizing that. Oh, there was. I thought I detected a question there. No, it just, 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 just a uh, no question. Yeah, more of a like a question mark, explanation, explanation, question mark. What was X Men number four from the original run? Do you remember what happened then? Oh my god! Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. I see. Two was the Vanisher. Two was the Vanisher. I feel like three. Three was the Blob. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I would have put the Blob in number. So I'm going to say four must have been like. The rest of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I feel like that wasn't until five or six, or maybe it was a two-parter that was five or six. But you might be right. I'm going to look it up. Uh, oh, I think I'm right. Uh, X-Men Volume 1, Number 4, The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is okay. literally the title of it. And we, we see Toad, Mastermind, Quicksilver, uh, Scarlet Witch, Magneto, and the X-Men are on this little sphere. Well, this this X-Men number four is very much in line with that then, because we definitely get a new Brotherhood of... No, I'm just... <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know what book you read. The cover date of this one is January 1992. The on-sale date was November 16th of 1991. The cover price was a dollar. This one's titled The Resurrection and the Flesh. And I think at this point, Weapon X, the Barry Windsor Smith thing had come out because... Everybody's referencing it now. 100%. Yep. On the cover, you've got Jubilee Gambit and Wolverine. Wolverine is notably in his yellow costume. So I don't know. Again, I feel like Wolverine transitions from his sort of orange and brown or whatever color you want to call it to yellow in Wolverine number 50. So continuity wise, I don't know if this was released before Wolverine 50 or vice versa. So there was something from the book that I read last uh, around X-Men number one. Uh, whatever that book is called. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I do kind of remember the quote. Okay. Um, Jim Lee, apparently. So John Byrne comes on. Yep. Writing this issue. And apparently Jim Lee said to John Byrne, I figured out a way to get Wolverine back into his yellow costume and away from that crappy brown and yellow one. And John Byrne said, I created that crappy brown and yellow one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you would need to figure out how to get a superhero into a new costume. To be honest, they don't really figure it out in this issue. It's just in some pages he's wearing the old one, and then in later pages he's wearing the new one. Right. I think the big deal is made in Wolverine 50. So maybe Jim Lee went and talked to Larry Hama. was like, hey, I want to do this. Will you do this? And Larry Hama's like, sure, I don't care. Uh because it's supposed to, my recollection is, represent a return back to Wolverine's sort of unhinged wild side. Um, I don't know. Which costume do you like the most? The yellow and blue or the brown and black or whatever color? From a visual standpoint, I like the brown and yellow better. But I think the yellow and blue is a better costume. But like, if I saw a yellow and blue person in real life... I'd be like, that's that's terrible. Yeah. I, that person needs a brown and yellow costume. <laughs> I think that the yellow and blue, I think probably on a comic book page is more striking, but it doesn't fit Wolverine's personality. He's not the kind of guy that's going to wear a loud outfit. So the sort of the muted brown and black costume makes a little bit more sense. But then I'm also biased because when I started reading X-Men comics, that's the costume he had. He was post-yellow. me too. Right. So it's hard to say. Um, I think just kind of looking at the, the various Wolverine memorabilia that I have, and I have a decent amount of it, um, almost all of it is yellow and blue costume. I don't know that any of it is got that that other costume, so... I've recently been buying the Marvel Legends three and three quarters action figures, and I have Wolverine in both costumes. Oh. Couldn't decide. So I don't go to, I mean, do you buy those online or do you buy those at Target? or? How, I how? buy those online. <clears throat> yeah, oh, okay. In fact, I've bought all of them online. I do see them at Target, and I'm like, oh, there's something I'll have to buy later online. <laughs> 
Okay. So I think I'm about online is you get them like, I don't, I'm a, I'm like a box collector guy, so I don't take them out of the packaging. So when you get them online, they don't have the punched out holes that are hanging at target. Yeah. So you could go get them, whatever the toy equivalent of CGC graded if you need to. Yeah, exactly. So all of the, I don't think I've, I've, I shouldn't say that. I think I've got a couple of pops that came from online, but any action figures I have that are still in their card which is a fair amount, were pretty much bought at the store, except I do have a pair of um, They Live action figures, which are fun. Those I bought online for way too much money. Is it safe to say that all your action figure buys are impulse buys where you're like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Pretty much buy this thing. So I have like a three and a quarter Wolverine. I don't think it's the legend. I don't know what line it comes from. Uh, It's in the card. I'm sure I was at a Target or a Walmart or other store. Because, uh, you know, look, I, I'm 47 years old, but I still I still wander through the toy aisle and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? And I saw it and I was like, well, it's 10 bucks, but I'm not not buying it. <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's an impulse purchase. Uh, the two They Live action figures, I was bamboozled, I think, by a Facebook ad because one of them is like a full color, like They Live character with the, the skeleton face and everything. And then the other one is just a package that says submit with a black and white, the same character mold, but just painted black and white. I was like, that's clever. Uh, but then a friend of mine pointed out like, well, that's exactly like the anti-consumerism message kind of goes against those action figures existing. And I was like, ah, you're right. But I have them. <laughs> There is a there are pop figures of those too. I bet, yeah. And there's a special pop figure version of where you can see the aliens, and they're reading a normal newspaper. And I, it bothers me every time I see it because it's like the newspaper should be what they're what it actually says. It, if you right. can see the aliens, it's like it come should, on, yeah, get come your, on, marketing people, get it together. It should say consume or buy yeah. more or whatever. Uh, but yes, uh, I also have like a 25th anniversary Cobra Commander that, again, was just browsing through the aisles. I was like, oh, neat. It's the hooded Cobra Commander. I was like, I got to get this. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I do the same thing. But I also, like, I went down the G.I. Joe classified uh, rabbit hole and basically bought almost all of them. Sure. Uh, online, uh, where I was just, it was just a matter of like, I just need, I just, I just slowly but surely it was like, all right, I'm only going to buy the ones that I want that are like nostalgic for me. And then eventually it became, all right, I need to just buy all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I don't, I still don't have all of them because some of them are too hard to find. Yeah. I'm uh it's, it's uh if I buy these things, it's very much happenstance and I don't go seeking them out. They just yeah. kind of pop up. Amazon's terrible for that. Right. Because I think. The two or so pops that I have were just from like, if you like this, you might like that. And I was like, darn it. I kind of do. Yeah. So they got me. They always get you. That's how they get you. You know, you zoom in on Wolverine's face. The eyes are not that great on this cover. Mm. Gambit's eyes aren't that great either. There's something weird going on with everybody's eyes. Jubilee's eyes are cool. I, I have a bigger problem with Wolverine's thighs, to be honest. Eyes and thighs. Oh, yeah. What is that? What is happening there? Yeah, I don't know. Like, his knee is in the middle of just a big amorphous blob of muscle. He's got, got like, a tumor in his leg. He needs (laughs) to go get that checked out. Yeah, like, the left-legged, I guess, stage right looks fine. But the one that's bent towards us just looks really weird. I feel like Jim Lee realized that as he was drawing it because there's a big omega red tentacle Mm -hmm. that goes right over the top of that to try to cover it up. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we open up this book and, um, well, it's, I don't know, the birth of Omega Red, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, there's lots of hands on him and then he basically steals all the lives of those hands, which I guess is a thing. Sure. 20 men die that one may find a new purchase on life. So I guess this is, I guess not the birth of Omega Red, but I guess the the rebirth of Omega Red, maybe. Yeah, we saw in the issues one through three that uh, that head of the hand guy, mm-hmm. uh, Tetsuo maybe, um, I can't remember his name, dug out Omega Red from Russia, some sort of frozen Captain America situation, 
Um, and now they're bringing him back because as they reveal here, he has a mutant death factor. Yeah, his life functions are stable. The mutant death factor seems well within tolerable. I don't know what that means. Wait, is that no? And then five more men die. Yeah, so the this was not part of the plan. The 20 people dying was part of the plan to get uh, Omega Red back to life, mm-hmm. back to reality. And the other five guys are, the other five guys are wearing suits that are, I'm assuming, supposed to protect them, but... The death factor is just way too powerful, but uh, Tetsuo, whose name I still think I'm getting wrong, is not in the room, but he's conveniently able to talk to him. He's behind glass, so apparently you just need to be behind a layer of glass. Uh, when I think, when I hear Tetsuo, all I hear is Tetsuo the Iron Man, which is a movie we talked about a couple of years back, which is a crazy and Japanese thing. That's probably why I keep <laughs> saying Tetsuo is because I'm I'm getting that confused. I cannot remember this man's name either, but he's the guy that created uh, the new Psylocke. Yeah. Um, let me let me look it up. I have it right here. Um, where hand scientist forge Matsuo. Brady Bunch. Oh, Matsuo might be right. Yeah. Tesoro Yaha. Yaba. I think that's a B. That is a B. Matsuo. Yeah, I'm not going to. Sorry to our Japanese listeners. I don't know how to pronounce that. But we'll go with Matsuo. Uh, We get a almost full page of naked Omega Red saying who has summoned Omega Red, which doesn't seem like a thing you'd say. But okay, he looks to me. If you're in the 90s, like Lobo. He's got <laughs> yeah. the pale white skin. The red eyes, the dark, the red eyes, around the, the red, long the, hair. Yeah. The hair is a different color. Um, not sporting a very impressive package if you're going by just the shadows. <laughs> but, you know, he's been in hypersleep for a while. Maybe there's some shrinkage happening <laughs> That's there. That's right. As soon as he warms up, it's, it's all over. But uh, <laughs> right now it's... He's having some issues. Uh, it's it's definitely, you know, a, a chest out pose, hero pose, I, if you will. I don't know why Jim Lee just didn't put the smoke that's covering part of him over the junk rather than just putting a big shadow over the junk. Right. He basically looks like a Ken doll. But yeah, a little bit more smoke. And now you can, you know, you can, it's more realistic. Maybe he is a Ken doll. He could be. I mean, he's got like cybernetics all over him. So... There's nothing to say that he would need a member. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he's got a death factor, so it's not like he's going to be having any babies. Right, right. Maybe he doesn't need love. He's a killing machine after all. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going with that. That is canon now that Omega, <laughs> Omega Red does not have a member. Sure. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. You know, title, The Resurrection in the Flesh. Matsuo, though, he's like, hey, you're alive because um, we got to kill this guy. And he pulls out a picture of Wolverine. You do not know me, but I believe you know this face. And I was caught off guard, as it says, a Lee Byrne Williams Orzakowski Rosas Harris DeFalco epic. And I said, Byrne, what's he doing here? He is scripting. But I guess, yeah, Lee is probably plotting. Byrne is scripting. Obviously, Williams is inking. And we know the rest of those characters. Uh, I guess, I, yeah, I was surprised not to see, like, a Fabian Nicesia or, I don't know, whoever else is writing so at this that'll time. That'll come. Yeah. Um, from what I've from what I've read, Byrne stepped in, but very quickly stepped out because of the same issues that Chris Claremont had with Lee, where you'd get pages, like, oh, you'd get one sure. page at a time, and then, and then later in the month, like, right around the due date, you'd get 20 more pages, and at some point, Byrne steps out and... The Marvel bullpen is like, we need somebody who can write 20 pages overnight. And Scott Labdell is walking around the hallways and he's like, I can do it. I can do it. Sure. I'm why new. Not? Whatever. It's X-Men. <laughs> I'd be a fool to say no. This thing writes itself. And uh, we'll probably repeat that story in the next issue where Scott Labdell shows up. Uh, or whichever issue it is. Yeah. So Omega Red squints his eyes in a cinematic panel and says, Logan. And then we, then he yells Logan, uh, but we switch over to actually Logan, who's gritting his teeth. He's very angry, but it turns out it's a little friendly two-on-two basketball game that goes on for way too long. 
but now you're getting your your what you've been asking for. I know you've been asking for a baseball game, but this is you know the '90s, so it's a basketball game. I'm fine with basketball, baseball, soccer, kickball. It doesn't matter, but it's 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 got to be a team thing. It can't just be four team members. I don't know. I guess I'm just I think difficult to please. In Jim Lee's mind, this is the team. I guess because these are all the cool characters. Uh, is Rogue a cool character? I mean, I know Gambit and Jubilee and Wolverine, of course, but Rogue? I don't know. I guess maybe maybe you need somebody else. I mean, I like Rogue. <laughs> but yeah, you just need a fourth. And like, we're not putting Cyclops there. Nobody likes him. Yeah, yeah nobody likes Cyclops. <laughs> so it's um, it's supposed to be sort of a no powers basketball game, but I guess Rogue can't not use her powers and, and just some argue. I don't know. It's a lot of page filling here. Well, Rogue can not use her power. She's got the old gloves on. Well, what I mean is she, she's got super strength, and she can't not use her super strength, right? Because she's just super strong. Whereas Gambit cannot use his um, you know, uh, his powers, same with Jubilee, and Wolverine's powers, other than stabbing a ball, are, are pretty useless. There's a fun sequence of Gambit scoring multiple uh, points by... And uh, Jubilee's kind of narrating. I guess she's on Gambit's team. And she's like, how does he do it? Is it the shorts? Is mm-hmm. it the shoes? Gotta be the shoes. And that's when Rogue steps in and says, Are we agreed not to use our powers in this game, just like Jubilee said, but Gambit's power include natural agility. How can we tell if he's using them or not? And then she throws the ball with an enhanced strength toss that knocks him, Gambit, down Jubilee starts using her powers. Hey, no fair. I may not love Mr. Charming here, but that was too hard. I do like Gambit's slam dunk uh, pose. It's a very dynamic illustration of a character with his legs all over the place. Uh, good feet, which is generally hard to find in a comic book. And uh, I feel like a really good perspective on his leg, which is pointing directly at us. I think it's probably one of the best elements of this entire issue. I, I remember loving this as a kid. This whole basketball sequence? Yeah. I was like, oh, man, cool. <laughs> uh, and I think it's just because Jubilee narrated it, and I love Jubilee. Sure, sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then so Gambit goes to throw the last shot over Rogue, who's flying, but it misses because Wolverine nudged the basketball hoop over and said, oh, Didums misses shot. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> this isn't Wolverine. Real world lesson, Gambit. Don't try to reinvent the rules unless you're prepared to have others do the same. That's fine. All of that, but I don't. I disagree. That's terrible. You think so? Wolverine doesn't give real world lessons, or he doesn't announce that they're real world lessons. And also, that is the worst real le- world <laughs> lesson. Don't try to reinvent rules unless you're prepared to have others do the same. <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Weak. <laughs> so anyways, they uh they think they finished the basketball game here. But we pivot over to um Well they cut to a point where like, okay, the kid gloves are off and now the game's gonna get interesting. Wolverine or I mean and, Gambit charges up the ball and gets ready to throw yeah. it or something. Jubilee says, Uh oh and puts her glasses down. So then we get a cutaway to I I believe this is Moira McTaggart sort of playing with young Magneto, probably on Muir Island. Oh, wow. I totally forgot about this. I guess I don't. <laughs> no, the child is her son. Okay. The woman's name is Moira McTaggart. Yep. The child is her okay. son. And this is the life they might have shared had not the dream been laid low by tragedy. Apparently, her son yeah. ran off a cliff. Hold on, Kevin. I'll save you. But isn't Kevin Proteus? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But then, but then she, she calls Ke- out. Kevin does turn into Moira. Magneto. Or Magneto. Yeah. So many names. Yeah. Magneto, save me, Moira. You've doomed me and with me yourself. So we're really digging into this whole thing that Moira did something, you know, did that thing to Magneto to alter his course. uh, And she's struggling with that. Wondering where this is going, because I don't think they pick this up, at least not for the next few issues. I have. I don't know. I don't even remember this little thread of a storyline, um, but I'll bet you by the time Jim Lee leaves and we get into maybe the teens or the 20s, because uh, at some point Magneto's going to come back. Yeah. I'll probably address it in some fashion. In I, this I dream know, sequence, Cyclops is also one of her zombie friends that she betrayed. 
Yeah. When did she betray Cyclops? Mo- friends, Moira, old friends, dear friends. Friends, says Cyclops, demon Cyclops. You betrayed, finishes Magneto. I don't know. What? No, no. And she falls through space, time and space. No. And wakes up. It'd be interesting if they're trying to do like a retcon setup of like Cyclops's optic beams. That somehow she had a hand in his inability to control them. I don't remember. I'm just <laughs> pulling stuff out of the air because I don't know. Maybe their plan was that Moira created all the mutants. maybe they're pointing to a future story in which moira has the ability to reboot universes maybe (laughs) i doubt it but maybe but she screams no and she wakes up and um sean is there fully dressed i'm kind of confused moira's sleeping at show it's probably the middle of the night but sean is fully dressed uh next to the bed it can't be the middle of the night because why is cyclops dressed in full Battle gear. Well, why is, I guess, is Moira sleeping? I mean, I guess she could be taking a nap during the middle of the day. Maybe maybe she's taking a nap. I don't know. Okay. You're right, because everybody else is in full dress. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Why, why, why does anything have to yeah. make any sense? Nothing matters. <laughs> what time of day it is, who cares? Uh, Moira's sleeping and everybody else is, is ready. Uh, Banshee's in his sort of street clothes. The professor's in his street clothes. But Cyclops is dressed up in his costume. Why? Who cares? Banshee, Moira... Forgive the intrusion, but I sensed your mounting anguish even before you screamed. I was not deliberately mind-scanning you, but the emotion was so potent I could not entirely scream it out. Thanks for that explanation, Professor. It couldn't just be like, we heard you screaming from down the hall? Oh, yeah, he could have just said, I heard you screaming. <laughs> I mean, we but don't... He has to go into the whole thing. He's guilty. He's like, I was totally mind-scanning you. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't mind-scanning you. I, <laughs> I, I just couldn't filter it out. Yeah, that's that's the... I still have feelings for you, Moira. <laughs> Um, Sean can't talk because of his broken jaw. And at that point I was like, wait, what? Sean's got a broken jaw. From what? Um, yes. Okay. (laughs) Did this happen in the last issue of X-Men? Was he, did he go to join the gang as they rescued the other X-Men? I I don't remember. Don't remember. I thought he was hanging back with Forge and Moira. Yeah, I don't. Well, Moira went to the ship, or maybe hanging Magneto back with Forge. But... So maybe, maybe he got punched by somebody. Maybe it happened issue, in the I pages. Maybe it happened in the pages of the Uncanny X Men, and we we're just kind of out of context a little bit. But well, no, the Uncanny X Men stuff doesn't happen until like we're the way that we're doing this is chronological. Okay. So none of that X Men stuff has happened. Then Uncanny I have X Men stuff has happened yet. No idea why Banshee's jaw is broken. I think he probably got punched, and it was such a minor thing that we kind of skipped over it because people get punched all the time. Which is yeah. fine, but I don't know what the value of him having a broken jaw in this issue is, other than the professor to say, "Well, Banshee can't talk, so let me mind link you." Like, there's not like a um, a plotted reason for it. So I'm no. looking at the last page of issue three and Banshee does have like uh, some bandages wrapped around his head indicating that he's got probably a broken jaw. Okay. And we didn't talk about that in the last issue. So I don't know where in this issue. Well, we didn't know it was going to be so important. <laughs> he got punched. Oh, here we go. Um, it looks like Gambit smacked him across the face. So Gambit broke his jaw. Gambit but broke he, his jaw. But he was mind controlled. Was being mind controlled. But I don't, and I'm just skimming, I don't see Banshee or anybody referring to his broken jaw until the very last panels where he's got a towel wrapped around his jaw. So John Byrne, ever the um, detail guy, was like, hey, his jaw was wrapped up. Let's make it broken. Or maybe that was That's, Jim Lee, I guess, because he's, at this point, uh, John Byrne's just filling in words. I Yeah, it was one or the other. I mean, no, there's nothing here about the Banshee couldn't be talking. Right. Like from these pictures. But uh, he's not. Yeah. Anyways. He's very silent. He's, he's even got his eyes closed. But the weird thing. I don't know. I guess, I guess it's kind of a interesting because Banshee's power is sonic that it's sort of a fun thing to have his jaw be broken so he can't use his powers. I don't know that they're actually going to do anything with that, but it's an but interesting idea. It's fine. I mean, just. Maybe make a little bit bigger of a deal of being like, oh, my God, Gambit, you broke Banshee's jaw. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, it does come as a sort of surprise, especially since I don't think they're ever going to do anything with this. Maybe in the pages of Uncanny, like you said, they'll do something with it. I don't know. I don't know either. The professor mind connects the three of them, um, and it's kind of creepy. He's like spying on them. Right. She's too distraught to communicate with us by any other means. Than thinking. Yeah. It's stupid. It kind of is. So she does think that she can't be trusted after her failure. Um, Myra knows, says Cyclops. Don't say that. We don't blame you what for what happened. Yeah, You're far more important to us to leave. Trust me. Streams are only natural. They will pass. Maybe. But then she starts talking. As long as I have you, my friends, perhaps I can. But then she's shot. Or no, no. Rogue is uh, blasted Rogue. through the, the wall. Yeah. To interrupt this this moment here. So I guess, yeah, Moyer was sleeping in the middle of the day during this basketball game. Gamba, you energized fine. the ball, you dirty, rotten son of a... And then, so that, I guess, picks up exactly where we left off from the other thing. This triggers Moira because she starts screaming, no, 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 no. And she runs away. Sean runs after her. And then we flip our attention over to Andrea and Andreas von Strucker also known as Fenris. Remember them? Yeah, it's kind of fun that they're uh, they're back. I've always um, liked these characters, but I just feel like they don't do anything with them. And, and maybe um, they're going to attempt to here. Andrea's got a new sexed-up costume. Yes. Andreas looks essentially the same. Yeah, I don't... I mean, maybe this is a new sexed-up costume for him, too, but he just looks like he's wearing a baggy suit. He kind of looks like um, uh, Donald Pierce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she... I feel like is unnecessarily sexed up, <laughs> but whatever. This is like Emma Frost levels. Yeah. Like Emma Frost at least has sort of a reason, the Hellfire Club. Being. Yeah. This is just like, I don't know. I guess this is what she's comfortable in. Yeah. I think I prefer the the older 80s design, but whatever. I don't, nobody wears boob windows. <laughs> she does. And and a belly button window and a um, um, rib cage window and <laughs> chains that connect to her garters, I guess, to her boots. I'm fine with the. Well, no, I mean that that yeah, looks painful. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole costume looks. And then if cheap. it was just like lacy garters, you'd be like, okay, it's I don't know, it's not going to be uncomfortable, but whatever. Uh, so she, she her costume's kind of weird, right? We talked about the little little windowed uh, pink thing that she's wearing, but then she's got what looks like a yellow cape. Which may or may not be connected to what looks like an aviator jacket. Yeah. A lot of things happening here with her costume. Not sure what's going on. The whole thing makes her body look tiny and her arms look huge. And her legs are about seven feet long. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... that's you know, I get it, right? It's just that that That's every yep. woman that Jim Lee draws ever. <laughs> Except for Jubilee. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, the Von Struckers here have been summoned or hired or brought in by Matsuo uh, for reasons I'm not sure. Let's see. Few un unanticipated fatalities, but otherwise a successful venture, though one which I have financed almost entirely on my own. I do not need to remind you... Indeed, you do not. Our agreement is still binding, Matsuo. Never fear. We need your resurrected champion. Okay, so they're talking about Omega Red. Mm -hmm. If we are to become the upstart dominant. Yeah. Um, that is about nothing less than immortality. Tell me, Matsuo, is that not a prize? Oh, and then we cut over to Gambit, who finishes her sentence somehow. A prize worth the winning. This is a thing that John Byrne really likes to do, is continue a sentence or a phrase on the next page, either in sort of like a, a little narration box or have another character sort of saying what the other person, starting to say what the other person was finishing to say. I noticed it and it got kind of annoying when I read B, what was the um, X-Men, the early years or behind the X-Men or whatever that sort of, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. John Byrne wrote and drew that and, and every, you know, four pages would end with kind of that cliffhanger dot, 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 and then continue on to the next page. I guess it's sort of like a, like cinematic TV show. You see that a lot, um, you know, from, from audio video media. Well, I, you definitely don't see somebody picking up somebody else's, it's like somebody else finishing somebody's sentence in like, cinema or tv no this you do see like a voiceover where right. somebody 
somebody finishes something on a and next it establishes scene. like a continuity of kind of so that everything is sort of connected and it feels smooth. Right. But yeah, picking up somebody else's sentence is the thing that only comics can do. Right. Which is maybe why he's doing it. I don't know. Yeah, he's trying a thing. It's fine, I guess. Uh, so the prize worth winning for Gambit is a kiss from Rogue. And uh, she punches him. So, no! <laughs> My flesh. Keep your slide paws off of me, Gambit. You know I can't make flesh-to-flesh contact without draining all your powers anyway. Actually, so he does it once again, John Byrne does. Um, she says, or he says, ah, Jubilee, how little you knew. And he wants to finish it off by saying K-N-O-W. But instead, Rogue says N-O exclamation point. That's kind of clever. It's kind of clever, but that's very quick succession. Having other people's uh, thoughts completed with a non-sweat sequitur. John Byrne gets a point for that. I've given him a point. Yeah, no, I mean, he's doing things. He's trying things. Uh, and for that, I respect it. I just think that sometimes he 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 does it too often. But yeah, he's he's doing things. Good for him. Gambit says, "Well, maybe, maybe not. I sure do love a challenge, though." Wolverine says, "Are we done with this stupid game or what?" Yeah, and Which we're doesn't feel like a Wolverine thing. We're on page thirteen of twenty three, and like nothing has happened yet. <laughs> a basketball game has happened. The Thank thing you. that you've been asking for, yeah, has happened. I guess. Uh, Wolverine turns his back, throws the ball against the crooked basketball hoop, and makes it in. I need more motivation, says Wolverine, and it's funny, and Jubilee makes a great face with the distorted lip. She's biting her lip or something like that. Uh, oh, I didn't realize you guys were so good. But we cut back to, oh, he says his, uh, Wolverine says his motivation is like a case of brew at stake. Right. He wasn't motivated for this basketball game. Oh, by the way, in case you hadn't noticed, we're establishing the tension between Gambit and Rogue. Um, right. I think for the first time. Um, I don't think it's the first time. It's 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 one of the first times. I feel like there's another situation where uh, Gambit went in for the kiss or to get maybe, close. Maybe you're right. But I think this will be the beginning of, of a well-used trope that goes on for quite a while. Yeah. So meanwhile, down in the, I don't know where, let's call it Cerebro, uh, Moira is down there. And uh, I don't know who's on the screen. It looks like maybe, let's see, Magneto is uh, a brood, mastermind, toad, arcade. Oh, this has got to be the files. Juggernaut. So yeah, I guess... She's, she's in the files. She's room. in the files, yeah. And uh, I guess they're still telepathically connected. Is that Spider Man? Yeah. <laughs> Is Mes Mes Mesmero maybe on the bottom right? Oh, I don't know who the bottom le- or it might be a Sentinel too. I don't know who the bottom left is. Juggernaut's down there. Maybe the bottom left is Charles Xavier. Maybe. I, these all seem to be bad guys, but. There's Arcade in the upper left. To the left of Magneto could be the Scarlet Witch. And then above Magneto could be Emma Frost. Who's to the right of Emma Frost? Uh, I think that's Mastermind. Mastermind? Okay, then above Mastermind is... I feel like Blob. Blob? Yeah, and then below Mastermind, Deadpool? I'm I'm saying that's (laughs) Spider-Man. Spider-Man or Deadpool. But maybe since it's scarlet witch on the left of magneto it's quicksilver somehow yeah, i don't know it's not enough detail but it could be i guess and then who is below um scarlet witch that could be the professor I'm, I'm but that saying that's the professor it wouldn't make any sense because these are all bad guys these are all bad guys so uh the vanisher mm, yeah the vanisher's bald sure yeah 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 you're right let's go with the vanisher i like it and I'm going to say that that's not a sentinel, even though he kind of has the little things on oh, his head. That's that, totally a sentinel. I'm going to go with uh, Mesmero, just nah, because these are all. That's well, a sentinel. I guess you got a brood in there too. These are all the, organic life forms. These are all, with the exception of the brood, the 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 primary. Well, an arcade, uh, and Emma Frost. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was going to say these are all the characters from like the first ten issues of X Men. Yeah. But no, yeah. they're not. Um. But Banshee says, come on up and talk to Charles and I. And she's like, no, I I fail him more than anyone. His dream, which I'm like, well, 
you're telepathically connected, so the professor's hearing all of this. So you're <laughs> not true. by hiding in the basement. Well, maybe not though, because maybe she's because she's saying that out loud. So maybe but the professor isn't picking up what she's saying. What she's saying because she's not thinking it. Maybe sure. I don't know. Who knows? Um. At any rate, I want to know at this point: Does the professor know that Moira has mutant powers? Well, yeah. I mean, based on current continuity, he knew before the X-Men was actually even formed. So Moira freaking out like this has got to be a huge deal to the professor. You'd think so. Because, like, like, I don't know, she could be suicidal. Right, right. Which means that the whole world is going to start over. Yeah. I don't, I think he's not taking this seriously enough. No. Uh, overreacting, how, how can you say that? How can you dare stand there and say that to me? To me! It's all my fault. Can't you understand? How can I ever look at myself again? I mean, what did she do? The, the thing that we concluded that she did was she may have put some good ideas in Magneto's head. to sort She of... tried to make Magneto good through science, and it didn't work. It sort of worked. It potentially worked. But I thought even at the end of that issue... She it... said she... She said... It didn't work, basically. Right. That like whatever whatever she did had nothing to do with the way the Magneto was, right? Uh, because the the project failed, or she undid it, or something like that. So I don't know. I guess I guess the whole thing is uh, she just feels guilty that she did something to try to undo the way that somebody was. This would seem to indicate that she lied to Magneto, and she did actually do something. Maybe. But it's, it's I do I do like this bit where uh, Banshee thinks says thinks to Moira Moira you're only human and Moira goes human human you could you could that that fits in with the current continuity because she's not she's not confirming that she's human but then yeah. she does say and isn't that just the problem don't touch me don't yeah Starting. So, we're all here for you and so is, back- that a, is that a confirmation that she's human or is it is no. it? Is it not? I mean, she could. Yeah, I don't know. She's still holding her cards close to the chest. Like she's I, all guilty about the Magneto thing. But I like that you can reread this right differently now. Right. Right. And it's and not it like actually it makes more sense now than it did back then. I think. Oh, I don't know. Because I don't know. Somebody screaming "human, human" is just kind of stupid. Um. But, yeah, I feel like in the context of 1991 or 1992, whenever this came out, the the thought would be like, here I am, this lowly little human amongst all these powerful mutants. If I was just a mutant, probably wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I don't know, though. But yeah, it's re- rereading it in the context of what we know from sort of the retcons is an interesting thing. But honestly, it's comic books, right? So even if there was like a CT scan hooked up to her with all these machines confirming that she's a human, you could easily just write like, oh, yeah, it was malfunctioning. She's totally mutant. Or the professor like planned it that way. Exactly. Yeah. He, he mind wiped everybody into thinking that the CAT scan said that she wasn't a mutant. Or they have like a special CAT scan just for Moira. Yeah. Well, use this one. Make sure you use this CAT scan. Only ever use this one. <laughs> so as uh, Banshee's thinking that we're here for you, we'll always be here for you, all the bad guy screens that we were talking about earlier talk uh, turn into Magneto's head. So we're obviously still talking about how guilty Moira feels about whatever she did to Magneto. She's only human. I hope, and I don't remember how any of this concludes or, or works out, but I hope that Moira's got original Magneto DNA, and that's how he comes back. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> and then she's able to, even though she's sort of resurrecting the most evil mutant out there, she's able to put her conscience at ease because she set things right. Yeah. Or something stupid like that. Anyways. I, I hope that they do resolve whatever this is, but I feel like if they do, it's it's past the point that I stopped reading. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I don't. I really don't remember how any of this plays out. Uh, but I'll be honest. I don't remember really any of this run. Like I said in earlier episodes, I feel like we bought them. I read them. I bagged and boarded and never looked at them again. I feel like this issue I read a lot because I really liked the basketball game. (laughs) But I don't remember anything other than the basketball game. I don't remember any of this Moira stuff. I don't remember any of the Omega Red stuff. The Wolverine story that this is setting up, I don't think I found all that interesting. 
So apparently, despite all the things and, and rogue punching Gambit and a lot of the you know sexual advances there, uh, Gambit. They're like a couple of teenagers. They're flirting. Yeah. This this, uh, this overbearing kind of confident Gambit is exactly her speed. It's what she's into. Yep. And uh, yeah, they have a mutual attraction for each other. This is what's sexy in the 90s. A guy on a, bad a bike boy. Yeah. in a leather jacket. Smoking a, a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette, wearing knee-high boots. Yep. The knee-high boots are terrible. It's like, why is he wearing those? They're part of his costume, but he doesn't have any of the rest of his costume on. Yeah, and they also look like they're armored boots. So it's like he's wearing metal boots with his, I don't know, khaki pants and leather jacket. This is not date night gear. You don't wear your stupid costume oh, boots. This is like like bad boy bar date night attire. And so you'd yeah. kind of expect Rogue to come out and maybe some high boots, leather jacket and, you know, hair put up. But instead, she comes out like a Southern Belle with a She's got the Southern Belle outfit. Her hair's done very nicely. It's a very long flowing dress. Wind. Yeah. Except modernized. Yes. Uh, not terribly sexy i mean actually uh pr- pretty pretty reserved for for a comic standpoint well i mean you have the the thing about rogue is that she has to be covered from right. head to toe so you can't be you know that jim lee was like okay this is all gonna be exposed skin and then he was like oh wait i can't do that let me put some frillies here to cover up the bear skin yeah. uh but anyways it's it's a it's definitely mismatched he's he's ready to go to a, a hard drinking biker bar and she's ready to go out to a show and dancing. She says a lady has to look her best when she goes out to town, Gambit. After all, there might be some real gentleman at that restaurant. Boom. And then Jubilee with her attitudes like restaurant. You'll be lucky if he takes you to Taco Bell, rogue. And that's when Wolverine reveals that Jubilee and himself, as well as Beast, have decided to tag, tag along to make sure that Rogue uh, Gambit doesn't do anything uh, naughty. Which... <laughs> Okay, it seems like a contrivance, but whatever. So, yes, Beast shows up in the Jeep, uh, kind of out of nowhere, because he hasn't been a part of this issue at all, and uh, Gambit flicks his cigarette off to the side. I'm still on the team? Yeah, right. Flicks his cigarette aside and says, all right, let's go, and uh, we get a reintroduction to the image inducer, because Jubilee's like, you can't go out like that, which doesn't really make a lot of sense, because I feel like Beast has been, he's an Avenger, he's been pretty much living as Blue Beast. Yeah, he's, so, he's he, well, maybe because he's like, I mean, they're they're reestablishing the whole mutant thing, but in yeah. my mind, maybe it's just because he's like a celebrity. Like, yeah, so he. I mean, that's not what they're implying, but. He uses his image inducer, which has been re-commissioned uh, by Forge. Uh, and he turns himself into sort of normal Hank McCoy. Uh, Almost an improvement. I don't know. I feel like this is a step backward, this whole image inducer thing, but whatever. Well, that's what they're that's what they're trying to do is that mutants are hated and feared. And this whole reboot is about making that a thing again because because of because of what Magneto did in issues one through three. Right. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> So uh, Gambit takes off on his motorcycle and says, catch me if you can, one on me. And then we get sort of a neat but confusing set of two panels of Banshee. And I think what's happening is Banshee's looking out the window at everybody leaving and sort of like seeing the fun that they're having. And in the next panel, he looks away from the window, uh, I guess, kind of looking into his own like, "Ugh, I got this to deal with. He Jim Lee wanted this to mean something. John Byrne puts no words, which is sort of smart, but also it's kind of like I don't, I don't really know what's going on. But yeah, at first you get I to use your was, imagination. It was all one panel. Yeah, that's the and thing then, that's kind of confusing. And I thought it was like a mirror image of Banshee, but then I realized that oh, that that's impossible. Right. And then I noticed the line dividing the two panels, so it's actually two panels. So that was my thought process. Well, the other thing that confused confuses everything is I guess the panel where Gambit is driving off. Uh, is a small panel, but it bleeds, I don't know, four-fifths of the way down the panel is all black. So the line between window Banshee and Banshee facing us is like three-quarters black and one-quarter white. So it's it, it actually kind of looks like the window frame and then so just like white. But after the, you think about it, it's yeah, like, okay, it's, I guess I, there's two panels there. It's strange. The, the blackness is an extension of the 
right. panel where Gambit is driving off. So the ground goes way down for some reason. Which is unnecessary. Which is just a opinion. layout thing. Yeah. He's, he's playing around. Didn't have an extra panel to throw into the corner there. So he did a little. Yeah, let's just put black there. Let's do a little extension. Um, Moira is leaving after Banshee said, let's not talk about leaving anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charles says in Columbo style, uh, one last word. And then Banshee says, I'd like it to be mine, Charles. It is mine, of course, because Banshee can't speak. Mm-hmm. And then Moira's just like, no, I'm done. None of you stay. get to say anything. Cyclops says, let her go, Banshee. I know how hard this is for both of you, uh, for you, for both of you. But Moira needs time. She needs space. Nothing. If I were Banshee, I'd be like, shut up, Cyclops. What do you know? Yeah, right. And then I just like deck him and go after her. This is the woman he loves. Yeah. He's got to like, he's got to, he's got to at least make the effort. Right. Exactly. Like, let me go with you. Let me, let's heal together. Yeah. Uh, let's get Charles out of our head. I can't talk. So we're going to have to really, it's going to take all of our, you know, commitment to one another to communicate and, and work through this tra- trauma. But he doesn't. He stays behind. The only cure for his time, and with enough of it, the love you share is bound to bring you back together. And if you're Banshee, you'd be like, what do you know about love? <laughs> we, we know about your love life. It's been nothing yeah, but traumatic. You're a freaking disaster waiting yeah. to happen. <laughs> you have a... Where is your son, by the way? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where is he? Where's your wife? Um... Yeah, he, he. You sent your son into some portal. Your wife with that son. Did you ever is get dead. a divorce there, buddy? Yeah, I think you're still legally married to uh, Madeline Pryor. Anyways, um, there's a tripwire at neck level uh, as Gambit and Rogue and the rest are driving to whatever restaurant they're going to. Um, Gambit's able to duck, but it catches Rogue. Rogue's mostly impervious. He sees it at the exact last, last second. And I'm going to say without thinking, ducks and it hits yeah. Rogue, who luckily is invulnerable because... Anybody know, else if, loses their head here. Yeah, if, if it's pretty... I don't know. It's a pretty bad move on Gambit's part. Well, if he doesn't duck, he, he gets cut in half, so... That's true. But then he would have basically have just killed whoever his passenger is. But, right. you know. Well, he's definitely driving too fast. We know that. Yeah, because he's being chased by yep. Wolverine and Beast and Jubilee. And, and it turns out that the wire was placed there by some brand new goons in red armor right. suits. And I wish there the had period. been a bit of an establishment of these guys because immediately I'm like, oh, the Reavers are back. That's neat. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, they have, do look kind of cybernetic. Yeah, sure. rud costumes. Their guns all have tubes coming out of them and stuff. But or, or why is why are Genosha troops wearing red now? Right, right. Uh, but I guess these are just um, um, Omega Red goons. I guess so because they're red. Yeah. Sapriste, my bike says Gamut as his bike explodes. For oh, <laughs> I guess they blew up his bike. Yeah, let's. It's hard to tell, but yeah, there are some bullet. Well, there's kind of there's a dude here with like things. a like a monocle cybernetic, and it looks like he's shooting out of it. Yeah, I don't know if he's shooting because he says "open fire on the man." He might just be targeting them. Yeah, it's or something. I don't know. None of it really makes any sense. But no. the bike looks like there's a couple of shots that hit the bike. They wouldn't necessarily blow the bike up, but mm-hmm. they do. Right. Um. But what do I know? I'm not a science fiction. Uh, I don't live a science fiction life. Right. I just read science fiction for a living. Not really. Uh, don't pretend you're worried, Gambit. I'm all right, says Rogue. And then Omega Red's tentacles. Uh, I do like Omega Red's tentacles. They're creepy and weird. Yeah, I don't know. So they grab Gambit and Rogue and I guess uh, suffocate both of them because we see a black panel. And then it turns to what looks like hand ninjas. And they must be hand ninjas. They're hand ninjas, but Omega Red hand ninjas. Right, because they got red ninja outfits. They descend upon the Jeep, and that's when Gambit, or uh, sorry, Beast, Wolverine, and Jubilee, they they start fighting the ninjas. Silence the small male first. He is the most dangerous. Bob, you don't know half of it. Uh, Dropping out of trees like, consider your metaphor another time, Jubilee. The point of their origin is less consequence than their destination. 
John Byrne loves bringing up the uh, talkative beast. Yep. Jubilee gets shot in the shoulder, it looks like. Speak for yourself. Ow! He nailed me with some kind of gun. Oh my gosh, the Jeep's out of control and it does crash into a tree. We're gonna... And then the sound uh, effects pick up. We're gonna crash. Crash. Well done, my brethren. And it looks like this guy with the monocle just always has red (laughs) seeping out of his eye. That's a giveaway for where you are. Yeah, that's weird. Got a little laser light everywhere. Yeah. It would seem that the fabled X-Men fell somewhat short of their reputation. And out from the flaming Jeep burst, actual beast Wolverine in his yellow costume and Jubilee. And they're like, go ahead, make our day, sort of. And they, they fight. So this is Jim Lee's reasoning for Jim Lee to be in the yellow costume, I guess. For Jim Lee to be in the Wolverine costume or, or Wolverine this, this to be in the Jim yellow Lee's costume? This is reasoning for Wolverine to be in the yellow costume. What's the reason? I don't. There is no reason. Oh, <laughs> just just he, he just decided it. Just just because I would have like if I was doing a thing here, I would have him be in the brown costume, but then have the brown costume get all torn up. Oh, I got this old one laying around. Let me put this one on. I don't know. It, it just doesn't really. I don't know. It doesn't need to be. I feel like. Again, well, it'll be interesting when we read Wolverine number 50, because I feel like there's a, a little bit of dialogue that goes along with it of like, I got to set aside the past and uh, put this new one. I don't know. Not just one day he's got the yellow togs on. Yeah. I don't know. It's, maybe they got destroyed in issue three. Sure. Um, not like they haven't gotten destroyed before. Wolverine asks Jubilee to blind him, but I think she gets knocked out. Uh Beast also gets sick or something, like some sort of nausea ray hits them. Can't stand, feel sick. Jubilee, she's down, but suddenly don't feel so good myself. And everybody's Wolverine recognizes a scent. No, that scent after all these years. It can't be. He's dead. But it is. (laughs) I am only sorry. Our reunion cannot prove as pleasurable for you as it is me. And he grabs Wolverine with his tentacles and his arms, and he's choking him out. Uh, this dude's name is Arcady. Arcady. No, you, in this you were correct. Arcady is dead. Now I am Omega Red, and it is you who are dead. Yeah. The red goons switch out into their medical togs so that they look like an ambulance who's just on the scene. Quickly. A taxi approaches. <laughs> There's someone in the car. A friend to these X-Men. Silence. Hurry. Dios, look what a mess, says the cab driver. I don't care. I'm not going to get involved. Just get me away from here. Says sad, sad Moira. This is very sad Moira. Yep. She's just not even looking. I don't really care what's happening over there. Yeah, she's just like, I'm I'm in my own zone right now. Yep. The Moira zone. So, there you go. Yeah. That, that's, that's it, man. Yep. That was issue four of the X-Men. X-Men, saving the day, saving the day. Remember that old gem? I do. I do. Did you hear that the uh, the there's a new Disney Plus X-Men show coming that is picking up where the X-Men animated series left off? Yes. That's exciting. I think that that'll be uh, a lot of fun. If I mean, I don't think they'll do it wrong. A lot of the voice actors are coming back, and I wonder how much older they're going to sound. That's always fun. <laughs> I I don't care. I, I can't wait. I think it's already taken too long for them to uh, to do this. I am. Um, Cause how they, many episodes of the, of the old animated series are there? Because the only ones I've ever watched are the ones I watched with you when we were a kid, and I was, like, indifferent to it. Oh, there's a lot. Because um, I would like... I would like to catch up, but if the number is just too big, uh, it might be too. I don't know that I'm gonna do that. It might be too big. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Maybe not, though. Actually, each season looks like it's maybe only twelve to fourteen episodes. How many seasons are there? Um, five. But the fifth season looks like it's three episodes. Hmm. Fourth season looks like it's six episodes, maybe eight episodes. Well, maybe I'll try to catch up. It's just which by catching up means starting from episode one, which I feel like I've seen episode one a few times. It's the one with Jubilee at the mall. So let's party on Wayne. Oh, I'm on Garth. I'm wrong here. So there's more. There's 14 episodes in season five. 
Is there not a Wikipedia page that just says how many episodes there are? 17 in episode four, probably, but I'm just grabbing the first Googles. It doesn't look like any of these seasons. Grabbing them by their Googles. Yeah, uh, uh, get to that 24 episode mark, but it's a sizable amount. Um, I recall the first, and actually you can look this up. The first few seasons are pretty well regarded, but then they changed like animation studios and ran into like scheduling issues. So like the last couple of seasons or maybe just the last season looks a little rough. Um, I wonder if they're doing the reboot thing where they just skip the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I don't know. I, at some point, wouldn't... So these used to air on, like, TNT or something, uh, network or cable television. And I was watching them, like, you know, one episode, maybe two episodes a night for a while. Uh, And then I got to, like, a cliffhanger, which I assumed was where a, a season didn't get renewed. But I don't actually think that's the case because I think that there is actually a conclusion of sorts. That's just a long way of saying that at some point uh, I would also like to maybe pick, try to figure out where I left off and just pick up from there so I don't have to watch 85 episodes of a show. Now, granted, you these know, are only 20-minute episodes. so If it's a good show, you should be able to pick up from the new season without being having to have any, like haven't watched anything right but i think uh part of this is also just for me anyways just kind of looking at the care and quality if if that makes any sense like you know what sorts of stories were we doing in the 90s versus what are they going to be doing now 30 years later i would imagine they're just going to be doing some of they'll probably do some of the old ones that they missed and some of the ones that are between the area that they did and now. I wouldn't be shocked to see a mutant island thing where Kakroa is like, I don't know. I don't think they'll go all in on like a modern X-Men thing, but they might try to do a little bit of that. Um, One thing I can say that was neat was even though it's all 90s sort of Jim Lee inspired X-Men, they definitely did like a mutant massacre take yeah, didn't they do like all of the classic '80s stories, like The Brood, and I don't know. I didn't actually watch it, so I'm just guessing. Yeah, I'm no, assuming they did a a Dark Phoenix saga. They did. Yep. Of course, you did. They probably did a Hellfire Club thing. Yep. Uh, you probably hit all the classic villains: Arcade, Juggernaut. Yep. Uh, Apocalypse, uh, Mister Sinister. So they probably did an Omega Red because absolutely was the Omega hotness. Red. Yeah. Um, um lots of sentinels of course sentinels and then they bring Mr. in sinister magneto they bring in other characters like every now and then you'll see colossus or nightcrawler or iceman or etc etc so while it's not an exact you know beat for beat remake of the comic books it definitely has the comic books in mind as it's doing sort of the modern stories which i always does, liked does morph ever come back he does he comes back as dark morph Oh, wow. <laughs> dark Morph. Well, they don't call him Dark Morph, but he's he's all mad. He's like, you guys left me. And they're like, we thought you were dead. He's like, you didn't even try. Is, do they do the Callisto Apocalypse story? Uh, the Callisto Apoc- Apocalypse story? What's that? Where Call- Callisto gets, not Callisto. Uh, oh, like Archangel or? No, no. Yeah, well, Archangel. Or Caliban? Caliban. I don't specifically remember. I mean, there is a... Uh, I feel like those are worked in somehow. Like uh, Angel and Archangel, I feel like that's worked in somehow. I don't remember specifically the Caliban. But I think you watch it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or, oh, yeah, that's from yeah, this I, issue. I, I, like, there's, there's, I started watching the modern, and I don't know when modern is, but there's a modern Avengers uh, cartoon that lasted two seasons and then got a spinoff and then became another thing. But that was just basically recapping all of the classic uh, Avengers stories, so it was fun. Yeah, um, you stuff you thought you'd never see, and I'm imagining that they stole that template from this X Men show. Uh, season five, episode seven. Archon begs Storm to help him save his planet from a meteorolog- meteorological chaos that threatens his people. That's a- wow, that seems like a deep cut for a cartoon, <laughs> right? You're going to Archon? That's crazy. Uh, and then uh, season five, episode 10, the fifth horseman, Fabian Cortez kidnaps Jubilee to serve as host body for apocalypse. 
So oh, I mean wow. that that never happened, but that you know, never happened. It's those are things that you know that could have happened. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then my, also my recollection is that outside of morph, I don't think they like create wholly original things, events, or characters for the show. If that makes sense, right? There's no talking monkeys or you know the the you know goofy comic relief character morph is a unique creation so that they could kill somebody and kind of show the stakes without actually having to kill a mainstay character, even though he doesn't stay dead. So I wonder if they'll do like Cassandra Nova, um, uh, yeah. the, the danger room becoming a sentient. No, nah, well, I mean, they could do that now. They didn't do any of that stuff back then. Well, I know. I mean, like the, the for, for new stuff. I'm thinking of like what, what they could tackle now. Here, season five, episode 11. While going to see the grave of a comrade in an army cemetery in France, Wolverine recalls a mission he did for him alongside Captain America. That's more or less a thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then it looks like Sam Guthrie's parents contact Professor Xavier about their son's mutant powers. Maybe they were trying to set up a new mutants show that never happened. <laughs> so, anyways, I think those are all available on Disney+. Plus. Maybe? We could do the... Uh... Cable the the cable spinoff strife. I bet you strife is in here somewhere, and I'm sure yeah, cable shows up. Cable definitely. Uh, I, what 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 are the big plot lines that they could tackle that come after the show? Outside of Cassandra Cassandra Nova, uh, the danger room thing. Yeah, I guess um, if I was the Hellfire Trading Company when it was run by those kids. That was kind of that was fun. If I was the showrunner, I think I would dip into um, what's his face, Cassandra Nova era, New X Men. Yeah, that uh, the the Ed Brubaker thing where it was like the twelve part sure thing. Uh, they could do the uh, the secret team, the secret between, team between the X Men and the New X Men that went to Kakoa. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Deadly Genesis. Absolutely. Deadly Genesis. Yeah. They could do that. That was pretty big. I feel like they're they would do things that would tug on the '90s heartstrings. So the Brew Baker stuff. The what's his name? Why can't I remember his name? The new X Men guy. Uh, Grant. Yeah, Morrison? Uh, Grant Morrison. Yeah, I feel like that's the well that you would dip from. I don't think the you would Joss do... Whedon run probably. Maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, Joss Whedon's just kind of a continuation of Grant Morrison. That's true. So, yeah, you do all that. You The other guy that was doing Uncanny at that time, I don't think you'd touch any of that stuff. <laughs> I don't think anybody's got nostalgia for, for that run. Yeah, no. That, so. that is that is one of the, uh, I think, one of the runs that is hated. Right. And I don't think they ever actually did a true, um, you know, it could be interesting. I don't think they ever did a true Fall of the Mutants um, arc. But they could they could decide to choose a season and say, look, we're doing Fall of the Mutants. The X-Men are dead. They're going to Australia doing a bunch of adventures. And then the next season, you know, everything's back to normal and we'll do other classic stories. Yeah. I mean, uh, so all of those are I they're think, definitely going to mine the stuff that they haven't mined. So yeah, all those things would be on the table and would be very fun to watch. Guess we'll, we'll probably talk about it on our Patreon when it happens. Probably. So. Tune into that, Adam. Do you have anything else? No, I, uh, I'm just uh, hawking the 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 Patreon site in the hopes that you all will subscribe out there. It's only a dollar, right? And you get you get us talking about stuff. That was basically like a sample. We just gave you a sample of what kind of stuff always appears on the Patreon. A sousan, if you will. We do. Uh, right now, we're in the middle of. Uh, well, we just started doing the. The X-Men Forever series, if you're ever interested in what Chris Claremont would do or would have done from X-Men 4 going onward, you can tune into that on the Patreon. And then usually after every episode, we talk about some sort of modern TV show or movie. Pop culture, sort of, Video I guess. game. Yeah. Whatever's whatever's hot or, or He-Man, you know. He-Man. G.I. Joe, Transformers. Finally watched the first episode of He-Man Revelation. We could talk about that next time. Is that the is that the Kevin Smith? That's the Kevin Smith one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Although I watched the first episode of the new one too, which was very. Uh, that's the CGI one. Yeah, that one's. I didn't. That one's, that one's weird. I didn't like that one. 
I don't dislike it. I just like it seems, I don't know. I was just watching the first episodes just to see if I could get sort of a feel for it. It's very uh, in the the animation is much like the uh, the Clone Wars Star Wars show. And I just I don't like that animation, so I think that's why I was like, Egh. and I think it was uh, pretty kidified. Yeah, it's also like the Star Trek show, which is pretty kidified, Star Trek prodigy. Which is fine. I'm not going to throw any of those under the bus. I mean, the kids need to watch stuff, too. It can't just be programming for us 40-year-olds. Exactly. Um, So I got no problem with that, but I was like, I I can't. I'm not going to watch this. It's just, it's not, this is not a thing that I'm enjoying. So because of that, I'm not going to talk crap about it. Yeah. That's just, you can hear us not talking crap about things. <laughs> I mean, unless it's Star Wars, then then there's a lot of crap talking. We tap, we toss the crap back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear some crap tossing? Speaking of which, Adam, I'll just tease this, and hopefully, I remember to actually talk about it. Um, I have an idea for how the Star Wars movie universe can get itself uh, rebooted. Oh, not necessarily like back on its feet. Like I don't have like here's my treatment and pitch for how you fix the Star Wars universe. No, no, no. This, uh, I believe, is a wholly unique idea on how you uh, uh, on how you do it. Oh, well, I'll just leave it at already. that. What's that? They did that already. No, no, no. Not, not <laughs> in the way I'm envisioning it. You you okay. just trust me. I, I'm going to I'm just going to leave it at there because I'm I'm very excited about my uh, my harebrained um, ridiculous idea. And I will be there to cut you down. I don't know. I think like the idea that I in the, woods. the idea that I have, um, I think, would make a ton of money, but would not necessarily produce the best Star Wars films. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's it's sort of a half win. Well, um, you know what? I mean, like, I think Disney's already into what you're selling, so. You just said more money and don't really worry about the content. Exactly. So they're, they're probably like, cha-ching. Yeah. So so Disney execs, uh, tune into the Patreon. Cause tune into the Patreon. Boy, howdy. You do can I, afford it. I, and, and this here's the thing is I, I'm not going to pitch anything, right? It's not going to be like, Luke's doing this. Nothing like that. This is how do you get from having no ideas for what you're doing with the Star Wars universe to day one of shooting? That is what I'm pitching. And that whole process is going to be hugely revenue generating. Okay. So stay tuned for that because I'm, I'm super excited because it's super harebrained uh, and you probably will poke a ton of holes in it, or you might get on board Adam, and you might, you might think that, that this is the right way to go. We will see. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to stake a claim one way or the other. There's nothing for you to commit to because I haven't told you anything. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, contact us at xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast, Twitter us at dangerroomgo, email dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com, go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts to, I don't know, like, subscribe, leave feedback, all that good stuff, and visit the aforementioned patreon.com slash dangerroom for all of the additional bonus materials and contents. And things of that nature. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfield. And I don't have anything else, Adam, do you? Are there any social medias that we're not covering? Are we missing the base on something? Let us know. We're missing... probably not going to do it. But <laughs> if we could like, if we could cut out Facebook and Twitter and do something else, maybe we'd do that. Yeah. Uh, kids. What, what, what are the old men not posting on that they should be? <laughs> Yeah, because kids are listening to this show. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, parents of kids, go ask your kids what we should be posting on. <laughs> All righty. Uh, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Danger Room.